We want to let you know again that tonight we're going to start another Bible study. We're looking for it to be a powerful one. We're looking for the Spirit of God to move. Every table leader, you go before the Lord with your group. You ask for the Spirit of God to move. There's an all-out attack against Christianity in our nation. You know it. You know it. All-out attack. And it's only going to escalate and get worse. And so we're offering you another opportunity for you to dine at the Lord's table tonight and devour the book of Genesis, where everything starts from. You and I are going to have to give a, a word before Almighty God. We're going to have to give an account. And so we're giving you opportunity tonight, again, a good solid hour in the Word of God, intense study in the book of Genesis so that you can stand firm. When the world is screaming all contrary to the Word, you'll be able to stand. So I hope you don't blow this stuff off. It's just, uh, i got to get up early. Well, you know, we're studying the one who made the sun stand still. And if you need to get up early, I believe God will make the sun stand still just for you so you can get more sleep, whether you know it or not. Your four hours could feel like eight. Trust God. He's a supernatural God. I can't wait for tonight. All right. I'm absolutely convinced that we American Christians do not really realize or understand what Christianity is. I'm absolutely convinced of that from what I see. 40 plus years of being in the, of being saved and in the ministry, talking to people, bumping in and having lunch and whatever, all that stuff with other pastors, seeing things on TV that's supposed to represent Almighty God, seeing people, seeing us who are supposed to represent Almighty. I'm absolutely convinced we don't understand Christianity. We really don't. We have Americanized it, and that's what we understand. So what I'm going to tell you today is probably going to sound so foreign to you, but it is the truth, the absolute truth. Do you know that the Bible says that greater judgment is going to come upon those who spend their lives teaching the Word of God? That's me. I have 40 years in this. I have to give account. 40 years of conversations, texts, emails, counseling, preaching, one-on-ones. 40 years of that. I'm going to stand before God. So, although I love having you as friends, I'm not here to just make friends. I'm here to tell you the truth. I must tell you the truth. You know what? As I get older... Sometimes I think, oh my gosh, it's going to be awesome to go to heaven. Other times I think, oh dear God, I'm going to go to heaven. Seriously, I mean, I, I start to tremble to think, all them years. It's not like horseshoes, like I can be close. I was close on that, God. So I hope you listen and listen intently because you have been Americanized by us American pastors. All right, so here we go. Anybody ever watch, see, or hear about the Ironman triathlon? I mean, that's insane. Ironman is purposely, I mean, a great word. This is what they do. They swim 2.4 miles, and after that, they bike 112 miles, swim 2.4, bike 112, put their bike down, and then run 26.2 miles. That's about 140 and a half miles. If I jump in my car and drive to Pittsburgh, which I had many times, that's 149 miles. These guys go from here to Pittsburgh by swimming, biking, and running. 
So if I ask you, hey, come on over to my house, man, we're going to have chips and Pepsi, we're going to watch this triathlon, you might go, that's cool, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun, it'll be a blast to see them faint, pass out, throw up, see who makes it, see how many finishes. Be right there. Yeah, well, what if I say I ask you to come and compete with me? You'd be going, what? You're crazy. And the number of people that would come would probably drop to just hardly any, any at all. Because you're like, no way, man. I'm not doing that. I'm not swimming. I'm not biking. I'm not going 140 miles. Well, Luke 4, or 14, 28 says this. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? So as we just go through that little triathlon thing, you're counting the cost. You're going, whoa, man, I like to swim, but I can do about 0.2 miles. I hate running and forget the bike because you're, you're counting the cost. And so you're, after counting that cost, you're saying, no way. Well, let me tell you, the Lord tells you the same way. He says, you're going to dive into this. You're going to go all in with all your chips. Count the cost. See it in Luke. See it in the Word of God. On your lap, on the screens, everywhere. It's impossible to misunderstand this. Matthew 24, 13 says this, But he that shall endure unto the end. Now if you're all breathing and alive right here, you're not at the end. So you better be enduring. Doesn't skipping, not socializing. It says endure. This is what the Word of God says. Not the American Christian gospel, but God's. He that shall endure unto the end. That endure means persevere under misfortune. It also means, listen, listen, it means to remain. Don't bail, don't run. You must endure to the end. What's the rest of it say? Then you'll be saved. I mean, you think of it. The, the ark was massive. And we're gonna, hey, look, we're going to kick together a, a maybe after this book of uh, Genesis that we dive in after 10, 11 weeks, somewhere around there, however long it is, uh, of going to see the ark. So consider that. This ark was so massive, so big, I can't actually wait to see it, to really get an idea of it. But only eight people got in. You know, so we sing that old hymn, when the roll's called up yonder, we'll all be there. All what? All eight of us? So you, you have to really take this serious, and don't be Americanized when it comes to the gospel. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Now, I believe there are millions of people in our country who call themselves Christians. Because they simply believe the Christian life is about admiring Christ or simply attending church. They do. Uh, they do. And I hope you're not one of them not realizing it's a call to follow Him. You know, we all used to sing that song in God's army. You ever been in the army? Who's been in the military of some sort? When I went in the military, them dudes told me when to sleep. When to get up, when to shave. They told me when to go to the bathroom. They told me what to wear. They told me everything. Because you're in the army. Now you're in God's army. And God does have orders. Just like he sent down orders to all you veterans. This is where you're going. 
You're going to Vietnam. That's about everybody went when I was in the service. And so we get these orders. Now I want to tell you about American Christianity. Because the Lord the Lord's called the captain of the host, the captain of the army. Now here's American Christianity. This is what we've been taught. Since I've been saved, and I got saved in 1974, and threw up on this right in the beginning. I would tell Pastor Bender over and over, I feel like I've been born again in a born again dying movement in America. And here's, where, here's the Americanized gospel. In times we've been taught that big is better. That great faith means great possessions for you and me. Great possessions for you and me. We have been informed that we should always live a life free from suffering. Did you ever look up that word? Look it up in the New Testament. It's in every book of the New Testament. Now, I'm not American. It's grading your American gospel right now. Especially when I say that horrible, filthy word, suffering. Has anybody suffered? Do you have, put your hands up. Have you suffered for some reason? Have you not suffered? Who hasn't suffered? My goodness. I mean, any kind of realm, any kind of way. A friend, a buddy left you stranded, your mother died, whatever. Who has never suffered? We have been informed that you should live a life free from suffering, disregarding the simple fact that the Word of God says all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. Now what do you do with that, Christian? You change it or water it down, Americanize it? All who live godly in a fallen, ugly world will suffer. You will now, this is the truth. You can run if you want. 2 Timothy 3.12 All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Also, we've been told, Americanized, also that Abraham was rich, therefore God wants us all to be wealthy. I know if you heard this gospel because you live in America. And you are an American. We have been taught that we can claim things that we need. Just believe it and can be yours. Just sow the seed of faith and God will give you and multiply it back to you 100-fold. Told that over and over since I have been saved, born again. Some have preached that you should never be sick a day in your life. Others proclaim that if you had enough faith, these things wouldn't be happening to you. Still others look at Jesus as the all-American boy. You can exchange wine lists with them, take in a nightclub, have a few beers. This is the American gospel. This is where you sit. This is what you are bombarded with. Radios, CDs, tapes, books, television, television, television. And you know it's true. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Now this is scripture. This is truth. This is what Paul said. But you and I, we should be crucified with Christ. Paul said, nevertheless I live. I should be crucified with Christ, but I am living here in front of you. Yet not I, not Joe. You don't want Joe to ever live. 
but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are to be crucified with Christ, yet you live, yet not I, Christ in me. Oh my gosh, can you imagine what it would be like in here if we all lived in the flesh? Sheepers. Now give me your good ear and good eye now. American Christianity says, just confess Jesus as Lord and you're in. You heard that? The truth says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. What? What? I just said to you, how many of you just say it and you're in? Squeeze your neighbor's hand, lift that hand. I see that hand. Isn't it true? It's true. I'm giving you truth. I'm giving you, what's that, castor oil, that stuff we hate. Remember that? It worked, but it was awful. Not everyone that saith unto you, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's scripture. That's truth. We say, just pray this prayer and it's done. Now look, I believe this very well could be how many millions of Americans believe that they are Christians. Just repeat, repeat this short little prayer, and you are a child of God. No sacrificing, no suffering, no serving, no commitment, no nothing. You're in. That's the American gospel. I wonder how many of us have been told this. Now, I believe if you're honest, all of you. Now, I hope if you've never heard the gospel anywhere else, and you never went anywhere else but here, you didn't hear that here. You've never heard that here. The truth says, and he said to them all, all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. A cross is a symbol of what? What's it a symbol of? Say it, it's death. We don't even like saying it. No, no, it's a little silver and it's a little chrome and it's a little, no, it's death. This is the gospel is saying you want to follow me, take it up, and you've got to die to yourself. This is Christianity, not American Christianity. But this is, and you know that Jesus is not an American, right? He's not an American. So the truth says, he said that if all, oh, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I'm telling you, we do not understand Christianity in this nation. We don't. We don't. We say, just come to the altar, give the Lord a few minutes. He says, the truth says, strive to enter in. Does that sound like a few minutes? Does that sound like one service? Does that sound like Easter, Christmas? Strive to enter in. If you're honest, you probably have to strive every Sunday morning to get to church because everything seems to go crazy. Because you're going to the house of God. We forget it's a spiritual battle. So your kid's going to get sick. You're going to get sick. The car's not going to run right. The weather's always lousy. You don't feel like going. Your throat's a little... Uh, 
So the Lord says, strive to enter in that gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. You know why? Because the way is narrow. It's narrow. We don't want to hear it. It's narrow. It's not broad. You can't skip to my loo and do what you want. It's narrow. It's what it is to get through. So not many are going to find it. Many are carrying all kinds of worldly things and stuff they still want to do. You can't. You can't. I don't care what American Christianity says. It takes effort and purpose to enter into it. It's a narrow gate. It's a struggle. God says, you've got to put that down. I don't... You got to put it down. Okay, okay. It's a battle. It's a war. Striving to enter in. You still want to do the dumb stuff that you do that keeps you out, that others are doing it on the Broadway. It looks like they're getting away with it. Just about every Christian thing will tell you it's okay. And narrow gate also implies that we can't bring all this unnecessary stuff, these attitudes, attitudes towards someone. Just because something didn't work out the way you wanted it to. Or unforgiveness. None of that works. None of that works when the Lord lays up on the cross, bleeding, beaten, totally naked, doesn't even look like a man, and he says to Almighty God, forgive them. And you can't lay that down? It's not going to work. Not at all. It's necessary to strive because there are many obstacles in our way. The world. The world is such an obstacle. The devil himself. And the worst one ever is you. Us. Me. I'm the worst obstacle of attempting to serve God, Almighty God. You're worth it. Remember the L'Oreal commercial? You can buy, I don't know what they're called, Avon for a buck. L'Oreal gives you the same thing for $15.99. says, you're worth it. And he says, okay, yeah, I'm worth it. Is that true? L'Oreal lovers. Now listen, please. If you base your walk on modern-day preachers and modern-day writers, you have no concept of real Christianity. None. In all my years up here, I might have, offered you a couple books to read. And they might be in print. They're certainly not on shelves somewhere. You have to go find them online. If you are into modern-day preachers, you have completely different total understanding what it means to follow Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we're offering Genesis. Get back to the beginning and see how it's done. See what the Lord meant. Not what they're telling you. What he tells you. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And if you're saying, well, I love the Lord, and you love the world, you're lying. Or should I believe you or me over the word? What? No, you have to be lying. James says this, Know you not that the friendship of the world is enemy with God? If you are friends with the world, you're hostility with God. No, I'm not. Oh, I love him. You can do everything and say what you want. But the Word of God is telling us the true Christian Word. 
not the American gospel. I'm not standing before God and God ripped me to shreds because I flowered something up for you. Know you not that the friendship of the world is hostility with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Think of that. Oh, my gosh. It's some time for serious soul searching. New Hope, we're under attack. I think the church actually is on life support. I don't, I, it just seems like it's going to die. Those heartbeats are going boop. Seriously. What kind of born experience have we had that produces virtually no hatred for sin? It really kind of anything goes. What's the evidence of our new nature? There should be an evidence. There has to be evidence, right, for you to be declared guilty or not guilty. Acts 4.13 says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, there was evidence. They saw. They saw something about these guys. They're like, what's up with these? Do people see you? Do they see it in you? When your life is displayed before them, however it is, you go to the same gas station, same supermarket, whatever it is, do they see? Now when they see Adrian and Susie, Because people look, and they watch. They did these guys. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took the knowledge of what? That they had been with Jesus. That's what they saw. That they had been with Jesus. What do they see when they look at New Hope? What do they see when they look at us? What does Zanesville, Muskingum County see when they look at us? Second Corinthians, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The whole key to that is in Christ, not in church. You have to be in Christ, not in church. This, this is for the salvation of your soul and your household and your family. This is absolutely vital. There's no other important place to be right now than to hear the Word of God. So Paul teaches this great principle of regeneration. A new creature. Jesus Christ changes those. Who, who come to Him by faith and who are in Christ. The saved or not, or the unsaved or not, you and I, the saved, are forgiven. They are changed into a new creation. Isn't it unfair for us to expect a non-Christian to be changed? They can't. It's impossible. You have to be in Christ. So isn't it just as possible for, for us to expect a change to those that are in Christ? Yeah. Not for a week, 
not for a month. Now, this is a little pet peeve, but this just drives me crazy. You open up them little secret messages or something, and as soon as it says something, 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 and if you break this, bad luck's coming to you. You know what I do? This is what I do. What donkey sent me this? I look to see if your name's on it. Oh, I do. And I found some. You really believe that? You've sat here in this ministry and, and you believe that? Listen very carefully. Luke says, And there was great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them. Now here it comes. This is the gospel. It's not Americanized. Listen real good, because you're going to stand in front of them. If any man, that's humans, come to me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, brother, sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Pastor, you hate your children? Do you understand what that's telling us? Our love and our affection to Jesus should be so outstandingly above and beyond for the others. He's trying to show you the level that it takes. Well, that's a pretty expensive price. Well, I think that was pretty expensive. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple either. You can't. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation, not able to finish it, all that begin, behold, and begin to mock him. Now, I probably would pay off 20 churches if I had a nickel for every time someone would come to me and say, is that a Christian? Is that a Christian? Because they laid this false foundation and tried to pretend they were a Christian or act like a pretend Christian, and they have fouled up everybody that looked at them, and then they get mocked, and it comes back and reflects on us. All these persecuted countries all these poor, impoverished countries, and you should help those children, absolutely should. All of them are having moves of God. We're not. We're not. Or 31 says, Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consult whether he be able with 10,000 to meet that cometh against him with 20,000. You see, you cannot misinterpret the Lord. He is laying it out in front of your face. 
Now, you can't take this incorrectly, that God's making it so hard that you can't. No, he gives you all the power then to do it and do it correctly, not what we've done in America. Our churches don't have much power, if any. Our Christians don't have much staying power, if any. They have no boldness to witness for Christ, to tell people about Christ, to talk about the things of God. So Christianity in America is dying, churches are dying, and growth is not happening. That's what the American Christianity does. I just saw, read a little bit of history about Venezuela just 10 years ago. It ha- its economy was greater than Japan, equal to China's, right behind America. And they decided to change and go social. Now they're poverty. 10 years it took. They're, they're bankrupt. 10 years. And we've changed the gospel. We're bankrupt. And it's going to take a group of people to say, you know what, not here. Not in my family. Not in our church. We're going to serve the Lord like God says so. I hope you do. I really hope you do. So it goes on and says, verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, cannot, cannot be my disciple. Now I want you to forget about what we have been told about praying this simple little prayer and asking Jesus to be your personal Savior. Now you've got to understand this, please. You've got to. In one instant, that's really all I did. Because I didn't know a lick. I didn't know a thing about God. But it's the heart thing. It's the heart. It's not this little. See, we just made it a little equation. Just come down here. Tell Jesus you love him. Squeeze your neighbor's hand. If you're afraid, ask someone to come with you. And then we call you a Christian. And your commitment to God is maybe monthly every other. That's why we fall into the the realm of, what's that saying? Uh, 20% of the church does 100% of the work all the time or something, however that goes. Meaning 80% of us so-called Christians are doing nothing. So if you do nothing, how can you do nothing? When Jesus is saying, hey, you got to go all in. It's impossible to do nothing. It's impossible. Read what Jesus demands for us. There's no misinterpreting what he's calling for. The call to follow the Lord Jesus is a call to die. Die to self. This church must die. Die to competition. Die to bringing in what brings crowds. Die to all that foolish nonsense, all that buffoon, fool's gold. Die to it and live truly for the gospel. New hope. Do you understand this? Listen, becoming a Christian is complete and total surrender of your own desires and flesh. And you've said, Lord, if you can use anything, if you can use a rock, if you can make a donkey talk, here I am. Use me for your glory. Not tell God, I want to be the greatest author and I want to sign books. Or I want to sing in front of millions. I want to fill Billy Graham's shoes. 
tell God nothing. Just come and offer your, here I am, God. Just think if a church would do that. It means you died to self and you put on Christ. Just think if a body of believers would do that. Our whole concepts, our whole thought, and all our plannings was Christ first. He knows you're raising children. He gave you the children. Romans 13 says this to us. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something you have to do. He's made a way. He's given you the power. He's opened the door through his life and shed blood. Now he's telling you to do something. Put me on. Put my ways on, my life, my thoughts, my thinking, my desires. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, and make no provisions for the flesh. Well, if you make no provisions for the flesh, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die. Go home, make no provisions for that pet dog. Sooner or later, it's going to die. And this is what the Lord's telling you when He talks about our nature, our fallen, lustful, crazy, selfish, unforgiving nature. Make no provisions. Don't stroke it. Don't shampoo it. Don't give it a snack. Don't feed it. Leave it die so you can serve me. That's Christianity. Not American Christianity. But it's Christianity. Make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. That's what it does. When you're like, oh, just give him a little drink of water. He's so cute. Your flesh is going, I almost almost died. John 1.23 says this, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And sometimes we feel like that. When you bark out the truth, you feel like you're alone in the wilderness. And no one's there. No one's listening. I asked, actually asked the Lord. It didn't work, but I wanted to speak in Chinese for the first 15 minutes of the message. Because you'd be going, I don't understand. Because that's what it feels like at times to America when you tell them the gospel. When our schools, and they still are in crisis, and they'd have these crisis meetings, and policemen would come, judges would come, uh, lawyers would come, teachers would come, I would come, and they talk about we need to have these big concrete things in front of the doors and metal detectors and maybe policemen with guns or teachers with guns. They're getting into it. I would stand up and say, why don't we get back to the Word of God? They'd dismiss me. They'd dismiss me instantly. I think I've told this, told us many times over and over. When Ohio University lost their funding for their chaplain, I went to them. This was years ago, a dozen years ago at least. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it for nothing. What? Yeah. Can you give us 10 hours, maybe 12? Yeah. I'll come do it for nothing. Okay, we'll find you a little office and a little phone. So, okay, all right. Can you meet with us first? Sure. How about uh, Tuesday? I said, okay, I'll be there. So I walk in. 
sit down with them, and I think there was three of them. And they were saying, well, what would you do if someone said they were gay or someone said something? One of those questions. I said, this is all I have. And I, and I told them that. We had a polite meeting. I'm still waiting to hear from them. <laughs> do you understand? I got dismissed, and I'm wanting to work for nothing. It, it's, they don't want the Word of God. You can't be like that. You cannot dismiss the Word of God because it cuts across your little American gospel. You can't. You must stand up, take it on the chin, and say, what must I do, Lord? What would you have me do? Lord, I want to get in that narrow way, and I want my children and my wife to follow me. Isaiah 40, verse 3, John explains his work to prepare the way of the Lord. He was experiencing this is when his baptism prepared the people, cleansing them for the coming king. The idea was here to get cleaned up, get ready for a royal visit. Remember when he went, Behold, here comes one that takes this. Remember that? Royal visit? Let me tell you something. Are you getting ready for another royal visit? Because the Lord's coming. He's coming. Philippians 3.8, New Living says this. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else is infinitely worthless. Anything. So other than you're half dead because of the flu this morning, and then sometimes you've got to work on Sunday, which is another trick to get it, keep us out of the house of God. Anything else you're doing is infinitely worthless. And then we do get sick. My son texted me just before church, said, I'm taking Tiffany to urgent care. So this scripture says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen. And it goes on and says this, for his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, rather than hearing and taking in the words of life. It's garbage. I don't know if that's a, in us Americans. That's in them Chinese oh, a long time ago. Remember, I showed you an underground video of the little bulb hanging in a cave, and they're ripping open boxes of the Bibles, and they fell on their face crying and weeping, holding the Bible. I got one here, got one over there. I got umpteen in my office, more at home. Got them on my phone. They wept and held those things. For this sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Verse 9 says, And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness 
through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. One way or another, I'm going to heaven. You come over to my house, about six o'clock, I'll say, hello, I'm just leaving. Going to church. Want to come? We're not going to stop and watch the triathlon. You said triathlon, I'm here. You've got to stay focused on the things of Almighty God. Do we really and truly and honestly understand Christianity? The Lord's Christianity. New hope. Do we? Let's stand. I know time is of the essence because we had a lot to do today, a lot to prepare for. All worthwhile. Those children, oh my gosh. You know, I was sitting there thinking, you know what, America's pretty fouled up, but isn't that awesome? We we still can support these kids, and many do. I I hope that works a little bit in our favor, God. I'm always so down on our country because it's... And then Jordan said that one little girl has sat a year waiting for someone. I thought, oh, jeez. 